Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Hockey Prospect Report. I'm Frankie alongside with Nick, who you'll hear from a little bit later. But before we get into this episode, we want to let you know about our sponsor, Customized Sports. Customized Sports offers high-quality Tackle 12 jersey kits featuring the name bar and the numbers, and which you can get for any blank jersey that you own. For more information about Customized Sports, please visit them on their website, www.customizedsports.com, or on their Reddit or eBay page at customized-sports. As well, at checkout, use code PROSPECT10 for your 10% discount. Thank you to Customized Sports for sponsoring us. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Hockey Prospect Report. Nick here with Frankie. We're talking more uh, prospects this week. We're excited. We're, we're still in the first round, maybe even second round. I think we're, we're mostly first uh, round. We're, uh, my, picks are, my, my picks are closer to the top of the draft this week than they were last week for... Well, I guess Tyson Forrester is mid-first-round-ish area, but the two players I picked today are both inside the first round, and you did the same today. So, yeah. yeah. So there's uh, there's still a lot more to cover in this first round. You know, we're not we're not even close to even getting into the second round. Hey, and you made a few weeks. Eventually, we're gonna end up coming back to the guys that we've already talked about at some point too, potentially with some stuff that we're trying to work out. At least I'm trying to work out in my head how how we can make that kind of stuff work and still be interesting. Thank you, Brain, for giving me the words to come out of my mouth. Finally. For sure. We'll, we'll be discussing the, the top picks in the draft. Um, they're obviously the, the most relevant, I would say, that people are going to be talking about, the most hyped up. So we'll, be, we'll continue to discuss them as we get close to the draft. But we will continue picking our own guys right now so it's only fitting frankie that you kick it off this time around since i kicked it off last week sure um so the first guy that i have picked this week that honestly i think might be a little bit disrespected when it comes to uh overall not necessarily hype but just the chatter about a particular player uh, and that for me is dawson mercer a guy that Bob McKenzie has him going number 13, you know, number 12 by ISS hockey, number 10 for North American skaters uh, ranked by the NHL, I believe uh, earlier in the year, 17 by Craig button, but we've already established Craig button dropped on his head. Not exactly the most reliable for his uh, mock drafts. I'd still love to know why he does certain things. So if Craig Button wants to come on this show, hit us up. You're welcome to come on, Craig. But um, Dawson Mercer this year spent half his season, roughly, with uh, Drummondville and the other half with Shakutami. And he got traded, roughly trade deadline time. And he spent seven games with Canada's World Junior Team 2, but didn't put up a single point, which is probably part of the reason why he didn't. he's not you know, picking up as much hype as other guys, but I, I say it all the time with a bunch of other players. Some of the things that he does kind of make you stop and, and wonder how players at his age have so much talent. Yeah. I, um, I, I kind of like Mercer purely, obviously we'll get into his skills, his skills later, but his hands are what struck. Excuse me. They will caught my eye at first glance is his hands for sure. But I don't understand, Frankie, what the the bash on Craig Button is for. I mean, they're relatively close, knowing the rankings with Bob McKenzie and Craig Button, what they okay. have, Matt. 
here's here's my beef with Craig Button. Okay. Okay. He put Cole Perfetti above Marco Rossi. That's it. That's that's all my beef. All of it summed up right there. So that continues here. Yes. Oh, okay. Nothing to do with Mercer. No. <laughs> I mean, I think seven between the uh, thirteen to seventeen range, to me, is fine. I have no problem with either place that those those two have been placed. The problem for me with Craig Button is the fact that he wanted to look, make himself look smarter by putting his mock draft back to the way he had it at the beginning of the year to say, hey, guys, look, I had the same thing I had at the end of the year as I did at the beginning of the year. Look how smart I am. whoop de doo So, Okay, so I understand. Yes. Okay, you just don't trust this source now, even though this ranking is semi-accurate. <laughs> Yeah, also just uh, maybe homerism. I don't know. Maybe. Okay, I get it. Okay, okay, I get it. I get it. It's all good. Um, but, yeah, so Dawson Mercer, he's, he's a pretty average-sized guy, six foot, 183, um, and he's uh, he's an offensive weapon. That That's the best way you can put it at first glance. He's, his hands are what, you know, pops right out at you when you're watching his highlight reel. And, um, you know, I think the big question is how that's going to translate to the NHL. Um, obviously, with those kind of hands, you always wonder, are they going to continue to do it, or is that not going to be able to translate well? Are they going to get shut down and have to adjust? Well, there's definitely, there's definitely going to be adjusting, right? Like, when you go to the World Juniors in your draft year and you're projected to be a number 13 overall pick, you expect a little bit more than, you know, zero points, right? Like, zero points on Team Canada in seven games – is borderline impossible with the players that they're going to have in any given year, right? And not necessarily the end of the world that you don't go to the World Juniors and you don't score, but that, that, like I said, is probably a large portion of why the hype is minimal for Dawson Mercer. But that being said, like you, you mentioned uh, his hands and stuff. His hands are really good. I also think he has a really good shot for a guy who only scored – what, 24 goals this year between uh, Drummondville and Shikudami, which, granted, it's down from his 30 in 2018-19, but he also played, what, 42 games this year in comparison to the 68 the year before. So goal scoring per game this year is up. Points per, ga- uh, points per game is up. Uh, bang on 60 points in 42 games this year that's pretty good he he kind of showed out this year in the queue the one thing that stuck out with me too aside from his hands is his like commitment in his decision making in the the ice if that makes any sense um you can tell when he's pushing to make a bunch of different dekes and power his way down the ice he's he's committed to doing it and he he does not hold back whatsoever Uh, that's something that I don't think a lot of players have coming into the draft, regardless of, you know, their skill, even if they're going high in the draft in the high for early first round, that's not something you see in a lot of players is their, their confidence and commitment to their on ice decisions. And that is something commendable. One, honestly, looking at him and in the highlight reel and his tape, first guy that jumped out of me, Jonathan Taze. This is you a like Jonathan Taze right? player. You like to go there? You like to go there. I do, I do. I think it's a it's a good little snippet to have for those who are listening and 
those who might not know a whole lot about Dawson Mercer or even know who he is and what Again, to expect. You're not getting player comparisons out of me because a a lot of times you you compare them to stars and that gives them incredibly high standards and expectations when they come into the league that oftentimes don't get met and then the fans turn on them and you know all that kind of nasty stuff also i don't i don't think it's necessarily fair to a to a player to say you are this guy now go be that guy for somebody right each player comes into the league they're going to have to find their own way and that's not going to be any different for Dawson Mercer the one thing that I find really interesting with Mercer is for a guy that has a really good shot, it's almost like he doesn't want to be the one to shoot the puck. Like he, he goes into the offensive zone looking to set somebody else up. And then if that option closes for him, then he shoots and scores, but he doesn't shoot the puck until he does not have a chance to pass it to somebody in a better spot than he is. And you see that in his numbers too. I mean, he's, he's, Just about every year, he has more assists than goals. Despite even in 2018-19, he's got 30 goals, 34 assists. You know, I mean, he's still scoring too. But it's in, in this most recent year, yeah, he's he's, he's has more assists like, than he does goals. Even if it's an, a marginal amount, right? It's not like those guys that go out. Your pure goal scorers go out and they'll score 50 goals, but they probably won't come anywhere close in assists, and it's because they're looking to shoot the puck. Dawson Mercer is looking for somebody to put the puck in the back of the net. He doesn't care who it is. If it's him, if it's his line mate, doesn't matter, right? It's one on the board for Drummondville or Shakutami. That's to him. That's all that matters as far as what I've been able to see from this guy. So that team first mentality, you know, the, I don't care if it's me that scores or it's you that scores. It doesn't matter to me as long as one goes up on the board. That is something that you kind of take for granted. If, you have that on your team, but when you don't have that on your team and you got a bunch of guys who just want to put the puck in the net themselves and won't play together as a team, that's when you find out that that's a really, really important thing to have. And that's, that's a trait that'll translate well into the NHL is your, your primary, uh, your, your top priority, I should say is just getting the puck in the net. doesn't matter who gets it in the net. Let's just get it in the net. And although that's easier said than done, everyone obviously wants the puck in the back of the net. You have those pass-first guys, which you can say you can argue is Dawson Mercer a little bit, and then you have those shoot-first kind of guys who just want to shoot it all day long. But at the end of the day, you're just trying to get the puck in the back of the net, and you don't really see that in all these players in the draft. Um, That's something that's going to translate well for him. I think this draft in particular, though, has been pretty heavy with guys who are good setup guys. Like, there's not too many guys that we've looked at and said, okay, that guy's a pure goal scorer, has no ability to to move the puck. Like, that's the guy. That's your trigger man on the power play. You want him shooting from Ovi's office all the time. Like, the, I don't think we have a guy in this draft that is just that. Yeah, I think it's really diverse. So teams are really going to have a lot of selection in terms of what kind of offensive player they want. Um, when we're sticking on the forward topic, obviously there's plenty of defensemen, but – I think it's safe to say this draft is loaded with offensive talent. <laughs> this yeah. is the draft where you want offense. This is where you're if you need it, this is where you're going to get it. Yeah. So we're saying Mercer's back in Shakutami for sure next year, right? Yeah, I can agree with that. I think a lot of these guys, once we start getting to this area of the first round, you'll 
it's safe to say they're going to have another year in college yeah. or juniors, wherever they're playing at. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what's going to get interesting. Cause uh, you know, the, the news came out that the OHR, I think it's the OHL is looking at uh, an October 1st return, you know, looking to do whatever's possible. It's going to be interesting to see what happens because there are American teams that won't be allowed into the country in all likelihood before 2021. So there's a chance that these kind of players might end up on the NHL roster if there's no OHL, QH, QMJHL, WHL, NCAA, that kind of stuff. If there's no season for them, then who really knows what's going to happen? Yeah, and on a normal – circumstances I'm I see him as you stay one year in juniors and then I, I could see the in two years he'll be working for an NHL roster spot just with his mentality and his prioritization on the ice of what needs to get done I think that'll really help his case hey you know I can agree with that and it's crazy to, to think that too because I looked at this I looked at Dawson Mercer and I'm like uh eh, you know he's kind of like there's there's players that are better and like you know never really thought Mercer was as good as he is, you know I I think it's I I think to me Dawson Mercer is one of the the least talked about players that deserves to be talked about in the draft. I just think it's his skill is good that you can see you can most definitely see that his skills and hands are are really good and, and like you said his shot, but. It's the mentality of what he is, what his top goal is on the NA, excuse me, his top priority on the ice is to get done. And that's what's overlooked. And not many people realize that is an important trait to have when you're going in the NHL is your priority is just get the puck in the net. And players, although they might think that's what they want, they might want to get the goal for themselves or they might want to make a fantasy play. Um, that is really going to help him. Yeah, it or not, and that's why he's going to get to the NHL sooner than a lot of these other guys in the first round. I'd say. I feel like this is a pick that Montreal, if they don't end up with that first overall pick, might surprise a bunch of people and reach for Dawson Mercer. That is I a. Wish... Go ahead. That's a fit that I think is something. I, I think Montreal is, uh, you know. Obviously, in Quebec, right, they scout a lot more in, in the queue than in other junior leagues just based on uh, their geographical location. So I would not be surprised at all to see Montreal reach a little bit for Dawson Mercer if they don't end up with the number one spot. You know, I could actually see that just because I think Montreal could also use a guy like him who's confident with the puck and – yeah and this is has a sense of urgency so i'm um, i'm a little bit afraid that they'll do that because again i think that there's players that are better than Dawson Mercer but i also wouldn't be disappointed if they picked Dawson Mercer in the you know 13 range ish yeah that sounds about right <laughs> so um yeah i expect to see him maybe in a couple years working for an nhl roster that that's I guess our prediction, right? Do you agree with me there? Two years? Yeah, we'll say? I, think so. I think so. 
yeah, so keep an eye out for him. I think he'll do he'll do some damage. But sticking up front, sticking with the forwards, Frankie. We're we're kind of talking in the same general area of where Dawson Mercer is looking to get picked. We're moving it to the WHL and the Portland Winterhawks. Oh, you really switched up the order on me here. I was not prepared to jump all the way over here. Yeah, yeah, we're jumping all the way over here, Frankie. We're talking about Seth Jarvis. Okay. He's a forward for the Portland Winterhawks, 5'10", 18-year-old forward. And Seth Jarvis is a little bit – he's different. He's a little bit passive as compared to Dawson Mercer is what I would say. He's got a similar style, but his size, he's two inches shorter. But um, I just think he's kind of that quiet playmaker as opposed to Dawson Mercer, who's really explosive. And you see on the ice a lot, he's the first guy you see. But um, I'm already jumping to it, Frankie. But and not a player style, but you know how you have guys like Nick Baxham or Claude Giroux who are – you don't yeah. see on the ice right away, but they're doing damage and they're making good plays. This, that's the kind of guy I see Seth Jarvis as. You don't think he's a goal scorer, right? No, I, I see – just by his play style, I think he's more of a playmaker. Let me just ask you. Are you nuts? <laughs> no, I'm not. Are you looking at the numbers? He is a goal scorer, don't get me wrong, but are you seeing the assists he's putting up? He scored 42 goals in 58 games this year. He scored 98 points, and he still had 10 games left in the year. Yeah, he had 56 assists as well. <laughs> he scored 42 goals. Yeah, he's a, but, but if you're looking at player style in general, you don't see him. I, I think he's really overlooked, and then all of a sudden, he, he's putting the puck in the net or he's making a good play. Fair enough. Yeah, and all of a sudden he's got 98 points in 58 games. That's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> I mean, I'm having a little fight in my own head if I think he's going to be drafted because of his goal-scoring ability or if that's something that might fade away for him when he gets to the NHL. In, a, in his rookie season with – the Portland Winterhawks in that 2018-19 season, I'm going to not count the 11 games he played with them in 17-18 because he was a call-up from the CSSHL, which is a league that I personally have never heard of in my life before. But scored 16 goals, 23 assists, 39 points in 61 games in his rookie season. That's, that's really good for rookie season. You know, to be over half a point a game, that's really impressive. And then to come out this year and put up – if he would have finished this season, he would have put up more than 100 points without a doubt. Right? With 10 games left, he's got two points to go. No issues. That's happening. So, exponential growth. And, again, it's good to see that he also has that trait that Dawson Mercer has of I don't care who scores – if I put the puck in the back of the net, that's fantastic. But if you put it in the net, that's just as good for me. I think you summed it up perfectly at the beginning there. That goal scoring is something I think will fade away going into the NHL. He's doing damage with it in the juniors for sure, but you can tell just by the style of play, he is a hard back checker. He's going to grab the puck as fast as possible, and already he's looking to make a play. So I think that will translate into the NHL really well 
and he's going to turn into a really good playmaker for a team and be able to to score as well if you really need him to. Yeah, and he played with um, the Canadian U18s at Holinka Gretzky Cup this year. Four points in five games, two goals, two assists. So, you know, for the most part, throughout his entire career, he's he's been scoring goals, but as well, he's been putting putting up apples too. And, you know, that's that's fantastic because what that tells me immediately is not only can he score, but he also knows where people are on the offensive zone. He he's willing to play with his teammates, and, you know, he will. Uh, at the end of the day, the puck's going to the back of the net, whether he does it or not. And like I said earlier, he, he falls into that group of that quiet playmaker in a way. You know, Backstrom, like I said, and Giroux are, are fall into that group. I think Elias Pettersson's another one who I think falls into that group. You might be able to, you know, toss Seth Jarvis into that mix of um, a, a guy who's going to give that purebred goal scorer on the team the puck left and right and, and he's going to get all the goals and he'll get all the assists um if you if a team can draft him and also have that goal scoring talent on the team i think he's going to do some damage with whoever they have yeah so number 18 for bob mckenzie and number 23 for craig button so again they're in pretty close similar range to one another and honestly it kind of amazes me that we're talking about a guy that Bob McKenzie sees going number 18 and didn't make Team Canada. The Canadians were absolutely loaded. And this was not a good year for some of these top prospects making that team, man. Like, Cole Perfetti didn't make that team either. So... If they would have just had a couple more roster spots, it would have been an even easier cruise to the finish line for Team Canada. And that's just a, a nod to how, how deep this class is and how much talent there is right now that's coming into the NHL soon. I mean, it, the fact that players like this are, are struggling to make a roster like that, that, that just screams the, how good this is. Cause he's a phenomenal player. You look at these numbers, that's like immediately off the top of your head. This guy should be a top liner on, on Team Canada, you know? Oh, and, yeah, for sure. And the, and the fact that he, he can't even get a look for that is, now, is incredible. Don't forget, too, we're also talking about players who were drafted last year. Uh, players like Akeel Thomas, prime example of a guy who was drafted last year, I believe, by the L.A. Kings. So he's Kings property. Uh, but guys like that are also on those teams. So there's going to be lots of great young Canadian talent, particularly coming into the NHL in the next couple of years. So going to be no shortage of superstars going up through the ranks pretty soon here. So what are you thinking in terms of uh, an ETA for the NHL? Are you, are you thinking the same thing as Mercer, maybe an extra year? Uh, I think he's back in Portland next year, obviously. For um, sure. After that, I think it's anybody's guess. I, I think it matters if he develops further next season. If he becomes more of a – not necessarily more of a lethal force because obviously he almost scored 100 points this year. He had a really good year. Uh, top end in the OH, – not in the OHL, but in the CHL, 
looks more like 120. So I'm curious to see if he can get to that 120 points range. Uh, maybe if he can get up there in that battle next year uh, for the highest point, point total in the CHL, probably a battle he'll have with Shane Wright maybe, who, I mean, in his own regard, is very, very special that we'll talk about in maybe two years in one of these episodes. But um, I, I want to see him take that next step next year. After that, I, I don't know. Like, I think not next season, but the season after that will be his tw- age 20 season. I think Seth Jarvis probably has the ability to go to the AHL in his overage season. Do you think that's where he go first? I think it depends on his situation, where he's drafted. If, he's on a, if he gets drafted to a team that is – in a, a rebuilding state or entering that kind of phase, you might see him getting a nine game trial at the end of a, a season with a, you know, a team that's struggling. Um, but if he's with a, a cup contending team at that time, by the time he's ready to start looking at the AHL, the NHL, he, he might just be playing full-time AHL hockey. I can see. So um, I guess like three years, maybe, maybe four tops for him in the NHL. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking one more year in the dub, one year in the AHL, and then NHL. I can agree with that. I could see that. You know, he's kind of like Mercer, just um, just right behind him, tailing right behind Dawson Mercer. Yeah. So, so we're halfway through this episode, Frankie. It's time to shout out our partners over at Customized Sports Canada. These guys have been with us for a while now, and um. They help us out. We help them out. We're going to shout them out right here. What do they do, Frankie? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You you, you hold back. I got you. Okay. They make customized tackle twilled jersey kits. What does that mean, Frankie? I'll tell you. Don't worry. I'll tell you. So, look. You got a jersey with no one on the back. You got that nice New York Rangers jersey that says Rangers across it and nothing on the back. Why would you do that? Well, because you've been waiting for this company. So you can you can go on their website. Frankie, what's their website? Oh, you're actually gonna ask me a question now? Yeah, you got you gotta know the website. Okay. Well, just like last time, I was not prepared for that because I figured you'd just answer it anyway. That's okay, we'll get to it. But real quick, you go to their website. You customizesports.com. You go to customizesports.com. Customize sport. No, no it's, it's no, it's customizesports.com. It is Yikes. Customizesports.com, guys. Go there. You can order your kit. Say you want that nice Mika Zibanejad jersey. You order the 93. You or, order the letters. They'll send you the name bar. And or, if, you, if you want to put an A, you can put an A on it. Or, because they've already written Rangers across the front of the jersey, you just get a name bar that says Rangers on it. Why would you get a name bar that says Rangers? Because the Rangers jerseys you? are stupid. Just kidding. Irrelevant. <laughs> Off topic. <laughs> moving back moving back into the ad read frankie so yeah you can you can get an, a name bar they'll send you that all all put together with the name bar you just got to sew it on or you can iron it on if you want you can put the a on the front if you want you can put the c if you want if you're feeling really gutsy and you want to gamble maybe he'll be the next captain hey man you can put them wherever you want too if you want to put the, the a on the back of the jersey go for it do whatever you want guys it's it's freedom want. pure freedom and, and with all seriousness, it's really good quality stuff. They, they, you can't even tell the difference between them and the real jerseys. 
I think they're really nice and um, it's fun to do. It's really fun to put together. Yeah. And uh, as we said, website, customizedsports.com, Reddit or eBay, customized-sports, use code prospect10 at checkout for 10% discount. Also, our contest is closed. We've picked our winner. Winner's been contacted. Thank you for entering. Uh, check us out again next month, and we're hoping to run yet another giveaway next month. Yep, and we will be running most likely the same style we did for the month of July. We will make it a joint giveaway, most likely. We might do two giveaways, but we'll probably do a joint giveaway of Facebook and Twitter combined. Yeah, don't, don't go out. Don't go throwing out information I'll right now. Let you guys know. Keep an eye out on anything. Yeah, well, stay tuned. Be able to get a jersey kit for yourself for free. Okay, back to the prospect talk, Frankie. Wallander, now. We're going to Wallander. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about a guy in the queue. We talked about a guy in the W. Now we're jumping across the pond and we're talking about William Wallander. And, um, you know, you asked why I didn't want to talk about him last week. Well, here I am talking about this week. He was my pick. He's a big D-man, Frankie. He's 6'4", 193. He's only 17 years old. Holy yes. smokes. He's one a big the, kid. One of the youngest players in this draft, actually. And also, I don't know if you see that birth date. That is Tuesday. One yes, day after this episode goes live. So happy birthday to William Wallander. He's now happy 18 birthday. years old on Tuesday. If you're listening to this on Monday, he's still 17. If you're listening to this on Tuesday or beyond, he's 18. And if you're listening to this in 2021 at the end of July, he might be 19. But I don't care. <laughs> well, way to go, Wallander. Happy B-Day. Hope you have a great day. Um, now we're going to dissect your game. <laughs> and how does Craig Button just have everything different than Bob McKenna? Like, every time. And they work together, too. Like, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Astronomical difference. Button's got him at 18. McKenzie's got him at 27. I don't know if I agree with McKenzie here, though. If I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I, you I, know I, what? I, I, I might have to go. I have to give the nod to Button, Frankie. I, I think he's kind of going to fall into that mid-first round. I think it's going to end up being interesting and, and close. Because, I mean, obviously, there are three defensemen above, right? Drysdale's above, Sanderson is above, and uh, oh, there's another one, isn't there? Drysdale, you got Sanderson, yeah, and Justin Barron's another one. Yeah. Well, Barron, I can't remember where they've got him going, but uh, Wallander. Well, just considering all the talent in this round, in this in this first round, I think it's, you know, I, I could see a scenario where he goes before 20. But, man, coming in at 6'4", 192, like they probably had to weigh him wet to get to 192 as well. With all his clothes on, the heaviest sweaters they could get, and throw him in a pool and then put him right on the scale, because he might be six <laughs> foot four. He's not big. He isn't, and I think that's going to work against him with um, 
I mean, it's already worked against him with his play style. You can tell when he's battling in the corners. He, he'll use his size to try and separate a player from the puck, but he's not really getting physical with them. Um, if, if you know what I'm talking about, I mean, he'll, he'll plant himself right in between them. But yeah. um, I, I saw a lot of clips where he'll put himself in between and then maybe rely on a teammate to come and bail him out or he'll – just keep whacking away with the stick rather than try to beat him physically, which I think he definitely needs to work on, put on some weight and use that to his advantage because six, four is a big height advantage compared to a lot of players entering the draft. Yeah. I'm going to quickly shout out uh, draft dynasty on YouTube. We've mentioned him before and that we uh, will sometimes look at one, a couple of his videos on a guy and, you know, then mix in some of our own opinions and stuff. But this one I'm, I'm taking directly from him. Uh, he was – he's pretty much saying that uh, him being so light is pretty much directly hurting his endurance. And there's times that you'll, you'll see him on a back check or something, and he just he – he doesn't have the ability to keep up. So – he is theorizing that if he's able to put on, you know, 20 pounds of muscle just as he grows and develops into an NHL player, that should be a problem that fixes himself itself because realistically the guy is six foot four. He's not going to stay at 192 if he's training like an NHL hockey player every day. He's going to put on 20 pounds of muscle. Probably won't take too long either. So that's a problem that should sort itself out, but that's going to be part of the reason why he's so late in this draft as opposed to, you know, a Jake Sanderson or a Jamie Drysdale, I think. Well, and it's, it's the, the body weight for sure, but it's a lot of physical endurance that I think he needs to condition himself for the NHL, which is, like you said, most definitely fixable. It, it, you can definitely do it. Um, most players coming into the draft anyways are – going to be facing the same situation your your training schedule and your nutrition is, is going to be up to a whole nother level you're, you're going to have to completely change up what you're doing and um he's not the only one going to be in this situation but if you're talking about him specifically with his size and what he needs to do at the nhl he is going to have to work on it a little bit more than others well let's just say too for a guy that's six foot four He's a really smooth skater. Oh, yeah. He, he's not bulky or anything like that when he's skating. He's not – I'm going to use that word from that goalie episode, Frankie. Clunky. I'm gonna well, use he's, not, he's not clunky, so that's fine. Exactly. That's one of the – yeah. He, he's not a clunky skater. Yeah. He's a, he's a guy that's probably going to end up needing to be a little bit more positionally sound, you know, as he, as he develops and as he comes up through the system and everything, but – he already skates really well. Once he's able to condition himself to skate for an entire game, you know, we're not asking him to be an Eric Carlson kind of guy like he was in Ottawa. You're just asking him to be in the right spot the, mo the majority of the time and then occasionally maybe do something in the offensive zone. Right, you're not drafting him to rely on him to be an offensive defenseman, but if he's able to provide you 24 points in 37 games, 
like he did this year playing in super elite U20, I think you're happy. And I, I think his the, the best way to sum it up is a two-way defenseman. And if you can have him develop into a good two-way defenseman, then, yeah, I mean, you are happy. Um, he is going to be a player who I think is going to be expected to play in all three zones. And he might be asked to work the power play a little bit. Um, I think but, he'd probably be out there on the penalty kill, too, just based on his size. Yeah, and, him and a little even bit on the power play. Even on the power play, it's good to have a bigger guy, maybe with a good shot. And uh, I think that's something that he can definitely up to another level when he gets to the NHL. Yeah. And I, I almost I almost kind of see him in the same boat as like Dalene coming into the league. Dalene kind of had the same issues as him as far as just physical endurance and physical fitness for the most part and conditioning yourself in the NHL. So I think that, they're both going to be in that the same is, boat. That's not a fair comparison to him. Because any any anytime you mention somebody with a player who was drafted that high, it doesn't matter what the context of that is. Everybody thinks, oh, Deline. Right? These two, not even close to the, being the same player. Especially well, not right now. There's, we're not talking there's, skill, though. I'm not talking skill, though. I'm talking in terms of adjusting to the NHL just as far as what they're expected to do. I mean, obviously, Deline had higher expectations going to NHL, but um, just in terms of what they need to work on transitioning into the NHL. If you want to make that comparison, let's look at it this way, then. Moving to a smaller ice surface is going to be a big, big help for uh, William Wallander as compared to Deline. Why is that? Deline did the same thing. Did he not? Yeah, it came from Florida. Yeah, but why does it help Wallander more? Because he's a slower skater. Wallander's already really big. That's fair. If he can get his foot speed maybe just a little bit better, he's he's practically already got the size of an NHL defenseman right there. If he can get his foot foot speed a little bit better. It's just going to be a matter of adopting – or adapting to the the North American game and then putting everything in into practice and getting it going for for the real deal. That's fair. That's fair. Deline's probably faster skater, I would say. Obviously he had sure, that but, yeah, but I mean Deline comes in at, at six three, but I don't know. I, I feel like Wallander has a chance to be more of a physical player go, uh, down the road here than than Deline ever did because Deline came in as more of a offensive threat kind of defenseman as, as far as I'm concerned. Right, but I'm sure Buffalo is looking at him and thinking, okay, yeah, you are going to be an offensive threat, but any NHL team is going to look at him and say, you got to bulk up too. you yeah. got to use your size to your advantage. I don't think any team would let him throw that advantage away and, and stick to an offensive game. So Fair enough. I think it's going to be the same – um, expectations, maybe not. Uh, Deline's expectations will obviously be at a higher level, but um, they're in the same boat as far as what they need to work on, I'd say. Because let's be real, Deline didn't have a great year coming in right away. <laughs> you know, so. Um, yeah, we might look back on that pick in a couple of years and, you know, say that there's players that were definitely better later. I don't, I don't think he's going to be a complete bust, but for first overall pick, 
let's just say that uh, expectations might be a little bit higher. Yeah. So um, uh, NHL ETA, I, I give him a. He's he's got some grooming to do. I, I give Four him years. right on the money. Four to five years. Yeah. You know, he's got to bulk up in the over in in Europe for a little bit, and then once he can do that, I think he'll be over in the AHL for a while. I could see him playing, you know, three or so years at least in the AHL before he starts getting some NHL ice time. I'd agree with that. All right, so, Frankie, we talked about guys in all different leagues. We talked about the Q, talked about the W, talked about Europe, and we're coming back over to North America, Frankie. Uh, Who's your no, guy? No NCAA today, unfortunately, but. No NCAA. We have got uh, Sarnia Sting standout, uh, Jacob Perot, who is uh, currently playing center for them. Well, currently is in – was. So, uh, they've got – Bob McKenzie's got him at 21, and Craig Button has him at 40. So, again, not even close to being anywhere near each other. <laughs> Craig Button, I, I don't know what he's watching, man. Like, I, I don't <laughs> – I don't get it. They're never on the same page. What is Craig Button? <laughs> Anyways, back what to Pearl. is what? What is <laughs> it? It bothers me so much. It bothers. This me. is a this is a whole new level of of just. We're gonna have a Craig Button slander episode. Is what I've decided. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know why. I I don't agree with the ranking at forty, whatsoever. Um. I'm throwing that right out there. Bob McKenzie, I think, has got it right on the money. You know, maybe he goes a little earlier. I don't know. 21's the sweet spot, I'd say, though. Now, Nick, there's two things. You know what? There's three things that I learned while uh, watching tape on Jacob Perot. One – Whoever decided that they should put yellow numbers in the back of the Sarnia Sting jerseys, the white ones, was an idiot. I could not figure out where Jacob Perel was ever. I could, I could not tell who was wearing what number. Two, every time someone on Sarnia scores, their announcer comes with the same scores. And three, the Flint Firebirds announcer is the most monotonous, toneless, announcer on the planet so those are the are three st- things that i learned um also uh according to elite prospects jacob pro was a minus 34 this year somehow despite having 70 points that is extraordinary sarnia was bad sarnia you could evidently tell was bad yeah if you, um, if you couldn't figure and- it out sarnia stinks Obviously, that is going to work against him for him individually. Maybe not in the rankings, but I think any player who is that has great talent to make it in the NHL or great potential to make it in the NHL and, and just has a lot of talent to use, that, that, that works against him because if you're on a good team, you can figure out the kind of player you are a lot quicker than a, a player on a poor team. Yeah. And, well, this is, this is exactly why you don't read into plus minus. I mean, minus 34. Yep. A guy who scored 70 points is kind of ridiculous, but I, I believe it. At, at when the season ended, I think eight of the top 10 plus minus players in the in the OHL were 67s. 
So plus minus is a team stat and, and it's almost completely irrelevant to the player. So don't look at that. But that being said, Nick, I think probably the best way to describe Jacob Perot is I think you said this best. I'll actually I'll let you take it because you, you said this earlier that before we started recording and I'll let you take it. Yeah, the the first thing I kind of noticed when when watching all of his his goals and his passes and anything he does, he he's the perfect example of the phrase "good to be lucky, lucky to be good." I mean, just about every goal, it looks like he just got bailed out. He was lucky, like lucky bounce, but it's every single time, and that's not a knock against him or anything. He's not just, you know blessed to be good and you know he didn't do anything but he he has great vision so he uses that to his advantage and he just always has that mentality of get the puck to the net you know uh, no matter where you are and and do your best to make the most of that opportunity well i mean you can you can be lucky all you want but at the end of the day unless you're in the right spot you don't get lucky right and to me all that tells me jacob perot has a really good hockey IQ when you boil everything down and you strip it away, his hockey IQ is there and you can't take that away from him. And that that's the whole reason why he's so lucky is because he's got such good hockey IQ. He's always in the right spot in the offensive zone. You know, if there's a loose puck in front of the net, he's in front of the net. And for that reason alone, he's going to do well in the NHL, I already know. It's it's his combination of his hockey IQ, his vision, and his anticipation. Because when you are in the right spot, you you have to be patient in terms of when you're going to either shoot it or pass it, whatever you decide to do in that play, especially when you're out in front of the net. You know, you have to make quick decisions since you are so close. Um, and he does that really well. He knows when he has to fire it on net. and you know, capitalize on that opportunity. He's, he's just a really aggressive player and has a great sense of what needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I wonder why he's allowed to play in the OHL, but I guess he, he grew up in the States, but he was born in Montreal. So the Q lost out on another really good player here. But, I mean, for me, I think Jacob Pro is – I, I think alongside Tyson Forrester is one of my favorite players towards the end of the end of the first round, you know, just like Forrester Forrester has a really good shot and everything. And for his own reasons is, is really good. But I think Jacob Perot is another one of those players that if I'm picking in the 20 range, 20 to 25 ish, I'm, I'm looking at Jacob Perot as my guy that I want. Right. And again, I, I think it's, kind of crazy that we're looking at the end of the first round being a guy as good as Jacob Perot, who in any other year probably goes inside the top 15 at worst, probably inside the top 10 to 12. I just find it so interesting how these analysts and, and NHL sites put rankings together because I find myself predicting like a player like him to go earlier than those who are ranked earlier. If that made any sort of sense. Yep. Yep. I I just, I I don't think he's going to be a late first rounder or 
you know, where Bob McKenzie has him at 21. That's more towards the mid first round. I'm, I'm, I see I'm, him as a, a medium top six four potential kind of guy. I, I really think he's going to do well in the NHL just with his hockey IQ and his sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm just dumbfounded that Bob McKenzie has Seth Jarvis at 23 and Jacob Perot at 40. Right. I think, sorry, did I say Bob McKenzie or Craig Button? I was thinking about it. I think you said Bob McKenzie. All right. Well, Craig Button has Jarvis at 23 and Perot at 40. But uh, Bob McKenzie has Jarvis at 18 and Perot at 21, which I think is, is fair. I think I personally prefer Perot over Jarvis. But it, it's so – those two, 18 and 21, are so close together that I really don't – I don't care that much. Um, to put Jacob Perot at 40 is absolutely ridiculous. There, There's no chance he's outside the first. Like, come on. That's an astronomical difference. The, these two players are, without a doubt, comparable to each other. When it, Not in play style, but when you're getting to this, this part of the draft, you're going to be weighing these two guys out. Like, you're not, I, you know, I just, throwing this guy in the garbage all the way down at number 40 in the second round already. I, I don't get it, right? Like, everybody comes to roughly the same conclusion. Like, this guy, you, you can see the range. The range is pretty clearly 17 to 28. We're talking about an 11-pick slot, right? Anything in there, to me, is acceptable. What is Craig? Like, I don't get it. I do not get what Craig Button is looking at. I'd love to know. I really would. You know, There's I no way he's coming on the show anymore because I, I have talked I, absolute so, trash about Craig Button in the last couple of weeks. With all seriousness, I, I just want to know. I just want to know why. I, I don't get why he would be ranked this low, and, that, and that's with other players too that we've discussed. Um, why he would have him so low? I mean, there has to be something that he would see in him that that or doesn't see. Maybe that's why he wouldn't be able to go in the first round. Yeah, I don't know. So, I, I really like. I'm not gonna say that I like Craig Button to begin with, because that's that's a whole different story. I have my reasons, but I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying to be fair. I'm trying to not crap on him when he doesn't deserve it. He deserves it here. That's a terrible ranking, but whatever. I got to agree with you there, man. I got to agree with you. Um, Bob McKen- and if you're really thinking about it, Bob McKenzie actually has him at the earliest if you're kind of not talking about NHL Central Scouting the, for yeah. North American skaters. Yeah. I don't really like to count that. But, um, you know, I, as far as NHL ETA goes, we'll move to that quick. Um, three years is kind of my guess. Yeah. Maybe even two, depending on where he's at. Yeah. If he gets into a, a – team again where they're not performing well and they want to start giving the prospects a look nine game trial i'm gonna go with that one year in the o one year in the a and then to the end possibly to the nhl same thing i did with seth jarvis i don't think there's too much separating either of them honestly just like evident most rankings have them relatively close to one another other than you know who but we're past that now. So, yeah, I, I think they're probably both in the same boat. I, I'd give them both three-year ETAs. 
And then you're bound to see a couple of these guys that we've talked about flop out. And I wonder if it's going to be either of these two, but I, I don't see it being Jacob Perel. We'll say that. No, I don't think he'll turn out to be like we saw with Joe Valino or anyone like that who fell all the way to the late twenties, you know? Yeah. Um, I think who, I, I think he'll manage to slide into 15 to 20 range. Um, really? Yeah, 15, maybe not that early at 15. I think there's other guys that are going to get picked for him. But, you know, Bob McKenzie, I think, has it right on the money. I think that's where he'll fall, give yeah. or take two or three picks. No, I agree with that one. Yeah, so uh, that wraps it up, Frankie. That's all the prospects we have for today. It does. I enjoyed this episode. This is actually a, this is a, this is a fun one. You know who didn't enjoy this episode? Craig Button. Craig Button. <laughs> Craig Button didn't like this episode. He doesn't like what you have to say. We'll have to get on Twitter. <laughs> hey, you know what, man? Honestly, I am more than willing to listen to why he has these players ranked the way he does. I think it's stupid that he has them ranked where he does. But I'll listen to I'll listen to his reason. I'm curious. I'm generally curious. I, I really want to hear why. And, and not to just absolutely unload on him. I'm sure you would love to. But uh, I... There has to be something that he he sees in certain players or doesn't see in players as to why he would, or that would force him to rank them that low. Yeah. Um, this could. So. I, I'm just hoping this is an old ranking because that's 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 really bad. And it very well could be. It very well could be. But um, we'll have more information on that at another time, I think. Um, so as usual, we're at that point where we will start listing suggestions as far as who you guys want to listen to. Or even Frankie mentioned it um, in the last and latest episodes. As far as team analysis, if you guys want to hear a breakdown of an NHL team who they should draft, maybe and their prospect pool, we'll be happy to go over that. You guys can send us tweets at HPR Podcast and or is it underscore Pod HPR Podcast on Twitter and we're HPR underscore Podcast on Facebook. Buddy, how do you get things so wrong all the time? It's man, I don't know. That's I'm backwards. Off today. It's HPR it podcast backwards? on Facebook and HPR underscore podcast on Twitter. No, it's not. Buddy, Is you it? got it backwards. Man, I'm off, guys. Well, there you go, guys. Reach out to us. We'll be happy to take your suggestions, and we do want to try and manage to fit them on the episode. Otherwise, we'll be doing our usual routine for now, um, just kind of picking guys out of the bag and discussing them. And we will start going towards the, the guys in the early rounds, or excuse me, the early picks in the draft and, Hey, you know what, Nick? What's I'll up? give you a pass for misspeaking considering it's 1.45 in the morning right now. It's a late recording session, guys. <laughs> we're, we're, we're up late tonight. <laughs> we want to make sure we uh, get the I was, to you guys. I was falling asleep as you were doing the ad read there. Where are you now? Shut up and be quiet. <laughs> well, we're going to go to bed, guys. So we'll see you guys next week talking more prospects. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Hockey Prospect Report. Before we let you go, we want to once again remind you about our sponsor, Customized Sports. If you've forgotten, they offer high-quality Tackle Twill jersey kits featuring the name bar and the numbers that give a professional look to your, your blank jersey. For more information about Customized Sports, visit them online at www.customizedsports.com or on their Reddit or eBay page at Customized-Sports. Be sure to use code PROSPECT10 at checkout for your 10% discount 
and check out our Twitter giveaway that we're currently running. It's the pinned tweet on our Twitter. Thank you again for them sponsoring us.